Welcome to the Wild Wellness Podcast, where wild means women into living their dreams. I'm Jenny Holbert, and in each episode, we'll explore natural health and wellness, outdoor adventures, training, self-discovery, and personal growth. I want to inspire you to be the strong and healthy woman you really are, both on and off the trail. Because when wild women wake, mountains will move. Are you ready for an adventure? Welcome to episode number 10 on the Wild Wellness Podcast. This is your host, Jenny Holbert, and today I'm so happy to share a chat that I had with the one and only Anna Kinkella. Anna is a women's coach, a writer, and a teacher whose work focuses at the intersection of spirituality, wildness, leadership, feminism, body-mind integration, and creativity. She mentors women in reclaiming their wildness and living and leading from a soulful, embodied space that recognizes their inherent wholeness, their wild soul truths, and their limitlessness. She helps women unravel the stories of the inner storyteller on an individual and cultural level so that they can claim what they most desire in their life and business. So awesome, right? So now let's bring on Anna Kinkella. Welcome to the Wild Wellness Podcast, Anna, and thank you for being here. I'm so excited for our chat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Well, you, you've probably heard the ancient Chinese proverb, when sleeping women wake, mountains will move. And in your message and work, I know that this, this word uh, wild is also something that really resonates with you. And in my work, I like to say when wild women wake, mountains will move. So mm. since you talk a lot about reclaiming your wild soul in business and life, I thought we would start out with just diving into talking about what does wild mean to you? And I'm curious, what does even that phrase, when wild women wake, mountains will move, what does that mean to you? Mm, yeah. Um, so, I mean, to start off, um, I think for me, wildness means claiming all of who you are fully, um, really being in this space of radical self-love for all parts of yourself, both shadow and light parts. Um, it means um, belonging to yourself completely. It means the version of yourself, the highest version of yourself that's really not restricted or encumbered by outer or inner limitations, um, limitations that society, family, or other people in your life place on you, um, or the self-critic, the inner self-critic inside of you. So it's really the sacred highest expression of your soul um, expressed in a human body, expressed in a human experience. Um, and so to me, that basically means you are someone who is living in their truth. You're someone who is living in love with themselves and approaching your life um, from that perspective um, and from that vantage point. So um, I believe that, you know, everyone's definition of wildness is a little bit different in terms of what that looks like. Um, but you're really seeking 
freedom, creativity, connection to your highest self um, in your daily life and through what you bring into the world. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that phrase, when wild women wake, um, you know, the, the world changes essentially um, is really where I come from when I do this work, because I believe that the more we can help activate that inner wildness inside of us, we do start to change the world in our own unique way. Um, and I think women have such power, um, such love, such beautiful gifts to share with the world. Um, and, you know, for a long time, I think that um, women have felt and a lot of women still feel um, that there are all these reasons why that can't be a reality for them. And so I'm really interested in awaking that wildness inside of every woman that I work with, um, or, you know, at least inspiring something within the women that follow me on Instagram and, um, you know, are part of my Facebook community. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so much of that. And it makes me think of, I love what you just shared um, because it does make me think of how it starts with us. And I know that your journey didn't begin as a women's spiritual leadership coach, but you have found your own yeah. wild soul and business in life in that way too. So how did you really embrace your vision for that and kind of change your life trajectory at some point along the way to get on the path to where you are now? What did that look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've really been reflecting on this as I've, you know, kind of known that I was going to do this interview with you and, um, it's interesting how we reflect at different points in our life and how even our story changes, um, depending on when we look back. But, um, I mean, I, I think it's been a gradual unfolding for me. I, I didn't even really, um, identify with wildness or I didn't even understand really what my wild soul desired or needed up until, um, you know, a couple of years ago, probably four or five years ago. And, um, before that I was in this, I was in this kind of gentle unfolding of releasing the stories and identities that weren't serving me, the ways that society or other people um, were placing their narratives on me that I was kind of inhabiting in my life. So I think that, you know, when I was, when I was a little kid, um, I'm originally from Croatia and um my family and I moved around back and forth from Croatia to America until I was in my teen years. And, um, I, through that experience, there was a lot of good things about it, but I definitely learned how to be likable as a person so that I could transition more easily with every move that I made. Um, and I think that quality of likability is something that women actually often are taught, um, to do, um, way of being um, that we shouldn't ruffle too many feathers that we should be liked by um, as many people as possible in order to just kind of flow in the world a little bit more easily and um, I think I definitely kind of inhabited that quality quite a bit which resulted in me washing out who I truly was um, in order to fit other people's expectations of me or my perceived expectations um, and so I think the first time that I really 
started to realize how much I was feeding into other people's expectations or societal or cultural expectations of women. Um, I think the first time was when I was in college and I started learning about um, feminism. I started learning about patriarchy, white supremacy, and these systems of oppression that affect all of us, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. And it had me start reflecting on my own story and how the stories from those systems of oppression affected me and changed my perspective and my worldview of both myself and other people. And that's really where my work started of really deconstructing um, my identities and how that affected what I saw in myself and in other people. Mm -hmm. um, and a huge piece of my journey was getting married um, despite my intuition telling me otherwise and then getting divorced a few months later. And that experience really broke me open um, and really shined light on some of the shadow things that I had been ignoring within myself. And it really led me on this path of discovering what was truly important to, to me as an individual, um, what was important to my soul. And from there, I just kind of deconstructed different parts of my life from my personal relationships to how I related um, in, um, you know, uh, partnerships and friendships in uh, my life and career and um, from there, I really started shedding some things that had been keeping me stuck and keeping me limited um, in where I was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I really appreciate what you just said about intuition and highlighting the fact that you knew in your heart that you weren't going down the path that you wanted to be, even though you did mm -hmm. take those steps, because I think we can all probably relate to moments like that where we've um, you know, made some big decisions that we knew looking back even or in the moment we knew that we knew the answer, we knew the direction, but we took a different step anyway. And it to mm -hmm. me, it's it's so bold and courageous and really the essence of wild as well to be able to take a different path, you know, to be able to choose again, which is mm -hmm. what you did. And yeah. I think that's beautiful to do that. Do you yeah. find Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With the intuition piece, do you find um, in, in talking with women about some of these same issues that that is something that um, gets muddled in, in the shoulds and in the societal expectations? And what are maybe some of the things that you do to help people to listen to that and help them reclaim that connection to their intuition again? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a huge piece of the work um, because so often if we don't develop our intuitive sense, we don't know what it actually sounds like. And um, sometimes, and I think this is definitely true of the messages that we receive in society, um, which is that our intuition isn't really rational and doesn't have any evidence, quote unquote, to prove whatever it is that we're feeling. And so there's a lot of, um, I think, of devaluing of intuition in our society, which is unfortunate. Mm. Um, and so I think we, you know, we learn to kind of distrust that voice. Um, 
and we don't really know what it sounds like. We think it's kind of like the silly part of ourselves that's telling us something um, that really, um, you know, it's like the silly part of ourselves that's telling us something. And we sometimes interpret it as like fear. Mm. Um, and, you know, I know that that's what happened for me when I was having some of those doubts about getting married. Um, and I just kind of copped it to silly fear that shows up, um, when deep down inside, I knew that that's not what it was. Um, so there's all these different ways that we really devalue that part of ourselves. And then the more we ignore it and don't listen to it, um, the less intuition (laughs) feels, I guess, validated. Um, and we don't really feel like we can trust ourselves, um, on that deep level, Um, So it kind of creates this divide in our relationship with ourselves. Um, So I think some of the ways that I help people nurture that connection is through meditation and connection with um, just whatever their spirituality is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a lot of, you know, meditations that kind of help um, someone tune into uh, that voice. And um, I also do a lot of shadow work. Um, So, you know, once we turn into the intuition, also tuning into what the voice of the shadow really sounds like. And pretty soon when you develop relationships with both of those, you start to kind of delineate which voice shows up when. Um, So that is a huge part of the work that I do for sure. Yeah. And for anyone listening who's not quite sure what what shadow work is, can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So shadow work is um, basically all of the parts of ourselves that we don't really like, the parts of ourselves that are really uncomfortable for us. So there are uncomfortable emotions. um, Some of those voices that come up in our mind, um, kind of what I call the inner storyteller that um, tells you that you're not good enough, that you're not lovable, that um, you're never going to be successful. Um, it's usually an unconscious part of um, our experience. Um, we often don't necessarily bring a lot of awareness to those things because they are uncomfortable, so we tend to run from them. Um, but really the shadow is the place where you need to go in order to be able to fully embody the light that you want in life and in your business. Um, So it's, you know, things like anger, it's um, sadness, it's anxiety, um, just in terms of the emotions that might be connected to it. Um, It's, it's all of the things inside of ourselves that we try to avoid and that we um, try to make better by, Um, doing things outside of ourselves, like overcompensating with food or or drinking or, um, you know, relationships or things like that. So all the the gritty, messy places in us. Yeah. And you mentioned just a minute ago about fear, which is kind of encompasses all of those, obviously, all of those um, feelings and experiences we might have Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. difference between sometimes feeling fear and mistaking that with intuition and being in those times when we maybe can't tell the difference between the two and where you had that Mm -hmm. experience yourself. Do you think that 
meditation is a tool that helps to clarify that? And is there anything else that you would say would help someone to distinguish between is this fear or is this my intuition speaking to me? Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, at least I think meditation has been the most helpful um, mainly because it um, forces you to sit down with yourself and um, to take time with yourself and to access a part of yourself that we don't typically um, access in our everyday life. Um, so for me, meditation has been the most powerful tool um, and there's tons of different kinds of meditation. So I think it's also about, um, you know, how you use meditation. Um, I think also journaling is, is a huge tool that I use um, because through writing, sometimes our unconscious threads come out if we just allow ourselves to really free write and um, not place a specific expectation of the writing other than to just understand what's happening in, um, in our minds in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so that can open up a beautiful portal to um, perhaps some things that you consciously weren't aware of were brewing there. Um, And honestly, I think anything that gets you into your body, um, you know, yoga, uh, I think the mind body connection is huge. And once we start to identify where fear shows up in our bodies, um, that can be a really great way to bring awareness to where fear is popping up in our lives. Um, and so that my, nurturing that mind-body connection is really important for um, embodiment and for um, just distinguishing what's what, what makes you feel joy, what makes you feel fear, what makes you feel anger, when are you closed, when are you open, and you can tell that a lot by your body. I totally agree. 100%. (laughs) And I know, I know you're a runner too, uh, as, as I am, as many of the listeners might know. And for anyone listening who is a runner or someone who loves to hike or do yoga or is likes to get out on their bike, whatever it is, moving their body. um, You have a certain philosophy around this mind body connection yourself too. So we chat a little bit about that and how, how running looks for you or even just what you've noticed that might help someone to tap into that a little more. If it's more of a, just a physical effort for them, how they can make it more of a spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love this topic because, um, well, one of the reasons is because I really used to, um, you know, struggle quite a bit with body image and weight. And, um, I used to be in uh, this cycle of, Um, I'm going to try this exercise program and I'm going to try this diet and that's, what's going to make me feel better in my body. Mm -hmm. And um, really through actually more than a decade um, of being in that cycle, um, I finally got to this place when I really started tuning into my desires. Um, I asked my body what it desired and how it desired to move what it was craving on any given day. And that's how I really came to running. Um, Not, and I really had to kind of question my motives. My motive wasn't to lose X amount of weight or to look a certain way. My goal was to feel good in my body. 
um, and to nurture my body the way that it was wanting me to nurture it. And when I started approaching exercising and eating from that perspective, my entire relationship with my body and my health um, and my body image shifted and changed. Um, So for me personally, running was and is something that when I run, I feel connected to not just myself, but nature around me, um, to the earth beneath me. Um, I feel like I'm embodying endurance, strength, um, perseverance, um, really even openness, because when I run, I just feel like my body is opening up to itself. Um, And so those are qualities that, you know, especially if I have, you know, things that I want to get accomplished, if I want to feel capable, if I really want to feel in myself, um, running is the best way that gets me there. Um, And so I get to embody the qualities that I want to embody during that day um, through that physical practice. Um, so that's how it's a spiritual practice for me. And I, um, and I don't do it because I feel like I should, um, sometimes, I mean, I run every other day, um, because that's how my body, my body doesn't feel good when I run every single day. Um, and so on the off days, sometimes it's about not doing anything other than perhaps meditating. Sometimes it's about doing one yoga pose. Sometimes it's about, doing an entire sequence or um, dancing in my living room. So, um, you know, my connection is definitely spiritual when it comes to running, but I think for anyone listening, um, you know, it could be running for you, but it could also be something completely different. You know, it could, it could be going to the gym, like if that's what really brings you joy and, and helps you feel connected to yourself spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Um, so, you know, I, I think for for a lot of people that I work with, one of the things that we really try to do is come at it from a perspective of what feels good for you, what brings you joy, because if you're exercising and you're dreading it, um, it's going to send you down kind of a failure guilt um, cycle, and it's not going to actually serve you or your body. Um, so that's kind of how I view all exercise. And for me, it's, I I love running. Yeah. Mm, That's such a good reminder. I can resonate with a lot of what you shared, having gone through body image struggles myself and being a runner and, you know, kind of navigating that when you said about checking your motives along the way, um, as you approach different ways of exercising. And I think, a lot of people listening can probably relate to that in some form, especially women who are active and also, you know, have that sort of power struggle with their body and with movement and, and with the purpose of it and, and how we get disconnected sometimes from the, the beauty of being able to move and not just move for the physical sense, but move for the spiritual sense and for the connection that we have, like you said, with nature and with ourselves and our time to be able to reflect and whatever that may look like. And so I think that's so mm-hmm. important what you reminded us to, you know, find something that's joyful because that's the kind of high vibe emotion and feeling that's going to be able to bring that sort of experience along for you to find um, more in it than just the movement itself. I love that. Mm-hmm. Such a good reminder. Yeah. 
And and I also just wanted to add, um, I also tend to see things in terms of energy. And so um, when we're not moving our bodies in some way, even if it's a small way, there's a lot of stagnant energy that, that tends to get trapped in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do some form of movement, um, which is why I love dancing, you know, by myself in my in my bedroom or living room it it helps to just move the energy and to release whatever is stuck inside of you so um that's I think the other aspect of how it's spiritual for me it is yeah and I'm I'm all for a good solo dance party in my (laughs) office living room whatever it may be I often (laughs) when I know I need to shift out of a funk or you know get some um get some thoughts going or just kind of take a minute and break things up, shake them up, switch from doing one thing to another. That's often what I will do. And it's almost now just something that I do without even thinking about it sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. Not always. Sometimes it is very like, okay, I need to move. I'm going to do this. But a lot of times I'll just get up and realize that like, okay, I just got up because my body's like needing to go take a stroll around the woods real quick and get some, get some movement going, you know, and I'm, thankful to live in a space where I can walk outside and go in nature and be in a place to kind of shake that out. But for, for anyone that, you know, just finding whatever that is, I think that's so important to tune into that and recognize it. We have to nourish ourselves in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, what are, what are some other things that you do to nourish your wild soul, any daily rituals or routines that you have other than some of the things we've already talked about, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I pretty much start, I mean, my, my daily routines can vary a little bit, um, just depending what space I'm in and and what I need that particular day, but overall, um, some form of movement is included, um, whether it's yoga or running, um, and then I always meditate, um, and my form of meditation will switch, but right now I'm in a space where I'm doing a lot of chanting. Um, and for me, chanting has been pretty amazing, uh, just as we kind of talk about different energies, um, because it allows me to invite a certain energy into my body and into my space. Um, so I tend to work with a particular chant for you know a couple of months until I intuitively feel like it's time to transition and then very much connected to kind of what I'm working on currently in my life um, sometimes I journal sometimes I don't um, and really one of the core things is I eat a very hearty breakfast of um, two eggs avocado and two pieces of toast which is like my absolute favorite thing to eat in the morning mm. and um and then I feel you know I pull some oracle cards for the day um and then I feel really really set for um what the day holds for me and that's when I really feel like I'm at my best and in my power and in my wildness yes oh that's so good and your breakfast sounds delicious too <laughs> yeah, so good I, it's good to find something that serves you well that nourishes you and sometimes that has to even change based on the season and switching it up uh, and doing that but yeah whatever that is yeah finding that 
and in the beginning of our chat, you, you mentioned more about this, but I thought I'd circle back to it because it's definitely a theme throughout too. But when you talked about um, your definition and how you see wild and belonging to yourself and being in your own truth, living in your truth, and how we often will go down that trail of what we should be doing and feeling like mm -hmm. we're doing something in, the, in our lives right now just because we should be doing it because someone else has said that or because it's a societal programming. And for someone who's feeling that way and not bringing their truest wild soul to the action of whatever they are looking at and facing, what would you suggest that they do first to shift that? Mm. Oh man. Um, so, you know, I, I'm trying to also think back to, you know, when I started this work, um, I think there's two main things that I would recommend. Um, and one is to practice sitting with yourself. Um, usually, and this is, you know, where I kind of, a lot of the women that I work with um, and interface with, they have a huge, um, they just have a lot of discomfort with really sitting with themselves. Um, and I think that that's one of the best places to start is to practice sitting with yourself to just allow your intuitive voice, your wild soul to start speaking to you. Um, and you start listening um, because that part of you is usually has usually been neglected for quite a while or um, you haven't listened to that part of yourself for quite a while and so just being able to listen and take in the messages that it has to share with you is really important um, and then I think it's really about starting to look at why some of those stories are there, where do they come from, um, how do they serve you, how do they not serve you, because um, ultimately all of the stories that we have, um, whether, you know, they're negative or positive, have served us in some way, they've protected us in some ways, and so really gaining an understanding of what that's about for you will help you learn yourself at a very deep level and will eventually help to help you start kind of embracing even the parts of yourself that you don't particularly like. And I think that that's a huge part of radical self-love is the embracing of both our shadow and our light. Um, and then once you have some trust with your soul, once you have some self, like radical self-love um, developed, you'll start to open up to yourself and your possibilities in a whole different way. Um, so I think it's listening to intuition and then starting to understand why those stories are there and where they come from and how they've served you. Yeah. And when a woman does that or when anyone does that, it's to me, it reminds me of self leadership just in being, I know you're a woman's leadership coach and from a, um, mm -hmm. holistic perspective of looking at everything. It really does start with learning to lead ourselves and being able to do that for ourselves first. And I know in a while back too, that reminds me of an Instagram post that I saw you share. And you said that women are not encouraged or taught to be leaders. 
and I wondered if we could chat for a mm -hmm. minute about mm -hmm. how women yeah. can learn to lead and overcome previous programming and maybe some keys to soulful leadership once they've been in that place of, um, you know, accepting and seeing both the shadow and the light, seeing where they are, and then maybe being in a position where they're going to lead others based on their own journey and step into a different mm -hmm. role in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that for me, when I define leadership, I really think of it as we are all leaders um, in our lives, with our family, with our friends, whether or not we have a traditional leadership role. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, to overcome some of that programming that happens specifically for women, um, also specifically for marginalized um, women, like women of color, um, it, it really has to start with um, confronting some of those shadow aspects and starting to engage in small ways that you really embody leadership in your life. So defining yourself as a leader, um, asking yourself how you can embody the qualities of leadership that are really important to you um, in your own life and taking small action steps in that direction. So, um, you know, when we talk about the mind-body connection, it's important not to just think something, but it's also important to um, embody that thing in your life um, and experience it through the body. So that's a combination of action steps and that unconscious reprogramming. Um, and really, you know, unconscious reprogramming is um, a combination of doing action steps, doing, um, you know, shifting the way that you think about things, it's journaling, um, but it's also really working individually with a coach who can help you identify some of those places where the unconscious is taking over and you're kind of kind of an auto-programming. Um, and we all do that to a certain extent, um, but without someone to be able to observe that, it's really hard for us. Um, in, who are in our own experience to recognize how that's showing up in our life. Um, and so I think it's really important to work with somebody because we all need help and we all need support. And that's what can really help us break through some of the barriers that we have. Um, but I think just on an individual level, it's, it's really starting to list out your desires, list out how you want to show up in, in, in life, in business, in your leadership, and then identifying the action steps that will make you feel that way, that will make you embody that particular um, quality in your life, and really channeling that energy through your meditation, um, through the way that you exercise, what you put into your body, um, how you interact with other people, um, how you show up in the workplace, um, how you show up with your kids, with your family. So it's, it should envelop all of the areas of your life. That makes so much sense. Totally. hundred <laughs> percent agree. <laughs> and I so appreciate all of the things that you've shared, all of these reminders. Um, thank you so much for taking the time and for having this, this wild interview. Um, I'm so, so grateful <laughs> for you and the wisdom that you're willing to share and really for, for you following your wild and soulful yes. And then now helping other people to do the same. 
So I hope everyone got as much as I did out of this episode. And thank you so much, Anna. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jenny. I really appreciate you inviting me on and me having the opportunity to speak to your listeners. So thank you. My pleasure. Wow, what an incredible human. I hope you got as much as I did out of this episode. And I want to thank you for being on this adventure with me and listening to this episode on the Wild Wellness Podcast. If you really loved it or got something great out of this, please subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And if you feel moved, leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app because I would love to know what you really think and topics that you'd love to hear more about in the future. It will help me out so much as we try to reach more women who are wanting to live adventurous lives and live their dreams. And if you know of someone who would enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you took a moment and shared it with them by taking a screenshot or sending them the episode for your podcast. Until next time, remember to keep going because when wild women wake, mountains will move.